Delaware state representatives spend about 45 days in session per year. And during this time, the bills they vote on and committees they participate in garner a lot of attention. However, passing legislation is only one of the many responsibilities local lawmakers take on. From attending community meetings, to taking constituent calls, to volunteering with the food bank, the work that state representatives do outside of Legislative Hall is significant and touches the lives of their constituents far more than most pieces of legislation. Currently, the House is taking a short break from session while members of the Joint Finance Committee work on our state's 2022 budget. This week, we'll catch up with Representative Larry Lambert, Representative Ray Moore, and Representative Krista Griffith and find out what they've been up to over the past month. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, this is Whip Count. We are joined now by Representative Larry Lambert, who represents parts of northern Newcastle County, Claymont area. So let's do a little catch up here because you were on a few months ago when you were a newly elected freshman representative. And for listeners that don't know, here in Delaware, we kind of do something weird where as soon as you're elected, you start your post. You are the legislator, even though you're not sworn in until January, your duties start in November. So now that you've been in this role for a few months, how is it going? I'm having a lot of fun as a legislator. I'm consistently engaged on constituent issues as I have been for years as a community advocate. But for me, it's really just an honor to be able to connect my citizens to the resources that are available at the state level and to just also be present and to be there when they need me. You were a community advocate in the past, so obviously you're no stranger to being out there in the community. What kinds of projects are you working on right now in your district? So there's always something wonderful going on in the district. I'm an active part of the food distribution program known as the Coalition of Churches Food Distribution. As a matter of fact, tomorrow morning we'll be out there again distributing 40 pounds of fresh food to families in need. We've distributed over 800,000 pounds of food every other Friday since the pandemic began uh, months ago. But for me, it's not about me, it's about the community. Um, I've also been engaged with working with DelDot. We are coordinating an event for the community to be able to discuss uh, some of the upcoming uh, construction projects such as the I-95 construction project, as well as the Marsh Road, Grub Road intersection at Harvey. And there's just so many wonderful things going on. We got confirmation that the Delaware Pathways to Apprenticeship Program will have a class at the Claymont Community Center beginning on April 12th. So again, you know, just stay tuned. I encourage people to uh, log on to my Facebook page and to keep up with me. My email is larry.lambert at delaware.gov. What kind of calls have you been getting? Because I know that people think of legislators as doing legislation, doing committees, but a lot of the work that you do is really with your constituents in the community. So what kind of things have you been hearing? Absolutely. So the main things that people come to me about are road issues, as well as issues around the COVID vaccine. And I want people to come to me. They should always feel free to reach out. I'm always accessible. My phone number, 302-744-5143. And I also get a lot of calls about sensitive issues. Um, I'm under the impression that not every state rep gets this, but it's from my years of being a community advocate, a community organizer. So I'll get calls about domestic violence, 
just today I was with a family that's dealing with the trauma, the absolute trauma of a suicide that just happened on Sunday. Um, but for me, like I said, I'm just honored that people feel comfortable reaching out to me, feel comfortable reaching out to somebody that cares, that shows up. So I just want to be present. I just want to be here. I want to make sure that people know that when times get tough, there's always somebody that they can reach out to. And um, it's a community effort. You know, I'm just a community guy that cares. And there are so many wonderful people in our community that care. We, we represent the wonderful 7th District, including the amazing communities of Brandywine 100, the Ardens, and Claymont. So you're just talking about how you're getting a lot of constituent calls about, about sensitive issues. And I'm wondering, how does that inform your legislation? How does that inform the way that you kind of interact with your colleagues and what you're proposing? It absolutely informs everything that I do. The role of state representative, I take it quite literally. I represent the wonderful people of our 7th district. And when I go to work on legislation, when I make moves, I make sure that I'm directly informed by the people here in our wonderful community. So it also informs me to proceed in a trauma-informed way. I'm one of the co-sponsors on HB 100, the bill for mental health services for youth ages K through five. So for me, I've worked with youth for eight years. I was an educator and I continue to mentor and work with youth. Just today, I was in communication with Tomorrow's Change, a mental and behavioral health service for young people. That I helped to bring to the Claymont Boys and Girls Club before I ever ran for office. So for me, my style, my leadership style is to be proactive. If you're engaged in the community, if you have your pulse on what's going on and you regularly communicate with the community, then you create legislation that's proactive, that gets out in front of issues before they fester into full-blown prob problems. So I want to take a, a deeper dive into the organizations that you were just talking about, because we talked about how you communicate with your constituents. But what about these special groups? Because we're not in session right now. We have a little bit of a break while our Joint Finance Committee is drafting our state budget. So over these breaks, what kind of groups are you meeting with and how are you meeting them? What kind of things are you talking about? Today, I just had a call with Moms Demand Action. Earlier today, I had a call with the Delaware Contractors Association. As I mentioned, I met with uh, Tomorrow's Change Mental and Behavioral Health. I've been in communication with the Delaware Pathways to Apprenticeship, as well as the Claymont Community Center today. So for me, there are so many wonderful organizations doing great work out there. There's almost too many to mention. But for me, as I'm as much as I am accessible to my community, I'm also accessible to the organizations and the nonprofits doing meaningful work. Um, I want to make sure that if there are opportunities for our communities to get connected to services, uh, to make sure that people don't fall into the, the despair of addiction, uh, the criminal justice system, crime, poverty, then I'm going to do what it takes. I've been a volunteer for numerous organizations, such as our local Claymont Boys and Girls Club, where I was an art teacher. I've also volunteered for the Claymont Renaissance Development Corporation. Uh, we do a lot of work around economic development here in the district. 
Um, but for me, again, it's really about the community. It's really about connecting people to resources and synergizing our efforts for positive change. You're a freshman representative. You're kind of new in there. How are you working with your colleagues, either in the House or on the Senate side? I know you recently did a town hall with Representative Baumbach and a few other freshman reps. I know you've done some civic stuff with a few of the senators that are that are around your district. So how is it working with them? It's an absolute delight to work with these representatives and these senators. In fact, I've already developed relationships with many of them. For two years, I was co-chair of Delaware's Livable Wage Coalition, advocating fighting for a livable wage. And that's where I started to get more meaningful relationships with some of our legislators. And over the years, I've been a community organizer working with groups such as Network Delaware, the Wilmington Metropolitan Urban League, the Coalition to Dismantle the New Jim Crow, uh, Complexities of Color. And I even started an initiative known as the Banking Desert Initiative to bring banking, basic banking services to the unbanked and the underbanked in the Route 9 corridor. So in that space, I've developed relationships with a lot of these legislators. So now that I'm sworn into office and I'm active in the role, it just feels like old old friends. And, and I'm looking forward to being of support to my uh, legislative co colleagues in Dover and making sure, again, that we really work together and we keep our families first. We make sure that we focus on efforts that are solution-based and are meaningful and effective. It sounds like you've been involved with a lot of organizations over the last few years, and some of them sound pretty niche. So how do you find out about these organizations, and how do you determine which organizations you want to work with? Thank you so much. Um, another organization that I work with, I volunteer as an advisor for the YWCA Racial and Social Justice Programming. They do amazing work. And as a part of that group, we had an event called, called Dialogue to Action, Conversations About Race. And in that group, we think about things that we can do that are meaningful, actionable items. And when I was thinking of something that we could do, it came to my radar that the Route 9 corridor where my brother and my nephews live is not only the densest African-American population in the state of Delaware, but they also didn't have basic banking services for miles in each direction. And for me, when we look at institutional racism, systemic racism, that's a clean example of that. Delaware is the banking capital of America, the corporate capital of America. And when we have inequities like that, it's imperative that we address them. So what I did was when I noticed that inequity, I worked to bring ba basic banking services into the area. We got some publicity by working with the News Journal, with Delaware Public Media. We brought together a coalition of advocates from a number of different groups from the NAACP, Coalition to Dismantle the New Jim Crow, Delaware United, um, the Urban League. And after seven months, we brought in the first community bank, which was the Del One Federal Credit Union. They opened their mini branch at the Rose Hill Community Center. And we also have two more branches coming in, which will be the student branch at the William Penn High School and a full service branch at the Albert Palmer Elementary School in Southbridge, Wilmington.
So that kind of brought all of your niches together. You're fighting for social justice, you're fighting for equality, and you're working with children. And now it's kind of all wrapped into one. That's so great that you could take your talent and bring it to that arena. So it seems like you're really going to leave your mark on the General Assembly. So I want to end our conversation with this. What are you looking forward to doing when we are back in session? Is there a piece of legislation you're maybe working on or a special initiative that you're excited about? Thank you so much for asking. And for me, everything that I do is really about the we. It's about the community. It's about all of us. And even with that Banking Desert Initiative, although I was the co-chair with my mentor and friend, Ron Handy, it really was about the community taking agency, taking ownership of their community and making a difference. As we go back into session, I'm super fired up about my first original piece of legislation. It deals with environmental justice as well as keeping our families safe. So for me, I'm already ready to hit the ground running. I wasn't going to sit on the sidelines and wait forever in a day. The time is now, and the only time is the present. So for me, I look forward to following up with the lawyers with the Division of Research, potentially moving forward with my legislation. We'll see some of the active legislation that I'm really fired up about is the $15 minimum wage bill, is abolishing the youth and training wage. Um, also, I wanna move forward on, like I mentioned, the mental free mental health for students K through five. There's a lot of wonderful things going on. The community solar bill, um, which I worked with advocates last year uh, to support when it was with Senator, recently retired Senator McDowell. So again, um, I'm just looking forward to working with my colleagues being being a good state representative for my constituents, as well as uh, being helpful down in Dover to make sure we have meaningful, sustainable change for our vulnerable and historically disregarded communities. And we are joined now by Representative Ray Moore. We're catching up with her again to see what she's been up to since session ended in January. So Representative Moore, first let's kick off this conversation. You've worked at Legislative Hall for many years, but now you've been a state representative for a few months. So what has that been like for you? I call it being on the other side of the door. And I thought I knew a lot about the state of Delaware, but as it turns out, it's actually more than I thought. Um, and it's so much to learn. So I'm just taking it all in, learning. I'm sitting back and observing and having meaningful conversations. So I know that some of your meaningful conversations are actually happening out there in your community. You recently started organizing these community safety meetings. So do you want to talk about that and the format and who's attending? Yes. Um, so while I was running and I had a lot of conversations with voters who pretty much, you know, things that I knew conversations was happening on the back end from working down at Legislative Hall, but there wasn't direct access and knowledge of what is happening and what the state is doing. So I started my, when I, once I fully was elected um, a state representative for my district, I decided to start hosting community leadership meetings. Um, I co-host with one of our pastors here, Bishop Broughton who is um, a phenomenal community leader here in middle, the Middletown area. I believe we're bridging the gaps between government and the community and the residents. So 
So I believe that this holistic is the holistic approach to solving issues in our community. It takes the residents, it takes community leaders, and it takes the elected officials um, serving in those capacities. And it may not be that we're creating something brand new. It might be that we just need to mainstream, you know, what the state already has to offer and provide a little more knowledge about that. It's about, you know, collaborating with other organizations and bringing organizations together and just making sure that they also making sure that the community members, residents actually know what is going on. So you just talked about how you were collaborating with other organizations and how you brought your community together. Are you going out to community meetings? Are you visiting with different civic groups in your district? What do they have to say? So Middletown is really different. We don't have um, civic associations. We have HOAs, which you have to be invited to attend. Um, But I have been um, steadily attending the monthly council meeting that's being held, and I've been documenting um, when there are comments on the public, when the public gives comments, should I say, um, I'm documenting some of the things that I hear my constituents say. Like the last comment was the residents being together to address concern about open spaces here for new development. So I went on, you know, a binge of trying to find out what has the state done, what is the state is doing to protect, um, you know, open spaces or even requiring new developers um, and new developments projects that's coming to, you know, have a certain amount of open spaces. Turn to find out, come to find out there is a bill that already exists with that. So, you know, um, so that means collaborating with, I talked with, you know, um, the Sierra Club with that. And it's, again, it's that knowledge part. So now that I know that exists, I'm now able to, pass that information along to um, constituents who have issues and concerns about that. And you came into this position right in the middle of a global pandemic. So what are your constituent phone calls looking like these days? Are you getting a lot of them? And what what topics are they mostly concerned about? I get a lot of requests through Facebook, and I have to patch them through to my aid to get them scheduled. But right now, I've had conversations about the senior taxes, I've been also talking to local businesses in regards to um, the minimum wage increase. I've talked to, I will will be talking to a constituent about school reopenings and um, education as well. So it's just really been across like a little bit here, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, I just want my constituents to know that I'm accessible and we could talk about anything pretty much you know, whatever is on their mind, concerns about the way government is movement moving. So you've talked about communicating with constituents, communicating with advocacy groups, communicating with your community in general. You've also talked about this idea of the community meeting. So I'm wondering, in your head, how do you patch the divide between all three of those? What is a perfect community meeting look like to you? Tangible solutions that government officials agree with, that community leaders agree with, and the residents agree with. So I look at it as a three-way Venn diagram. You have these three circles that all intersect differently. Um, And right in the middle, all three of them intersect, you know, and then they all operate differently and they have their little own different um, ways that they shake and move. And then at some point, they all still intersect at different points. 
So for me, my perfect, you know, meeting would just be tangible solutions that we all can agree with. But when you bring politics into it, it takes deeper conversations. I try to make sure I remove the politics out of it and really start to address the needs of the community because that's why we are all, you know, we all sign up to do this work because we, the way that we see the community going is not fair, it's unjust. So just honestly, tangible solutions that we can get started on and we don't have to wait. So one thing um, successfully came out of our meeting last month was that a neighborhood that needs it the most, working with what are the community agencies, we're now going to be able to do lighting um, projects with them to light the out front of their house for a low cost. So I'm excited about that. And honestly, we wouldn't have gotten there if I wasn't pulling in people. We weren't work if we weren't working together, you know, and letting every entity know that is involved here in my community that this is a priority of mine. Help me fix it. Like help, let help me, you help me, I can help you, we can help each other. And that's how we get the community, you know, to where we need it to be. We know from working in Legislative Hall, something as simple as putting a stop sign in a neighborhood or on a road can take buy-in from five different groups. It's it's a lot harder than just calling up Delta and saying, we need a stop sign here. What surprised you the most about these added responsibilities? What are you now realizing? is your daily life as a state representative? Meetings, 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 meetings. And more meetings and more Zooms. I hop from one computer to the next as I'm a school teacher. So it's honestly, there is, like I said, there's a lot to learn and a lot to take in. And I'm focusing my time for my first year committed to learning the lay of the land and learning in all the issues that's out there, one, what are going to be my priority issues to focus on, how I could collaborate with others who already are working um, to solve these issues and these problems, and again, bring in solutions. Maybe it's not always through legislation, and it's honestly through conversations and connecting people so things can get moving. So that is honestly, collaboration has been the number one thing that I've been doing the most. I thought it would be like, you know, I'm going to do all this legislation and I'm finding out maybe it's not my right now for me, legislation, producing um, legislation is not my um, forte, but just making sure that um, I'm holding necessary conversations to get the ball moving on some things. That's such an important point. You know, having these conversations with your constituents or taking their phone calls or Facebook messages or attending their community meetings is such a big part of the responsibility of being a legislator, even though your legislation may get a lot of attention. It's what you're doing on a daily basis that's having the biggest impact on your community and the biggest impact on your district. I know we haven't really been talking about legislation, but we are going back soon to session. Is there something that you're excited about working on when we get back? Maybe a piece of legislation or a priority of yours? There is. I'm running my first... I. I'm running my first bill. It is a housing bill, which I'm very proud of. Um, it was just circulated today. So it's providing protection um, for Section 8 um, vouchers holders um, not to be discriminated against in housing practices. So I'm extremely proud of that, especially amid COVID-19. We're seeing high eviction rates and 
we're doing as much as we can to make sure that we're not increasing our homeless population, which I just got off a call 15 minutes ago in regards to how are we going to address homelessness, um, the increase in homelessness rates in our state. So again, having conversations, having meaningful conversations so that we're tackling the things that need it the most. Up with Representative Krista Griffith now, who represents the 12th district, which covers Hokesson and Northern Wilmington. Representative Griffith, how has your JFC break been? What kind of things have you been up to recently? We have been really busy for the past several weeks on a number of issues. Um, everything's going well. I, um, I'm really looking forward to getting back into session in over just over a week. Looking forward to. Um, seeing some of the bills that I've been working on for the past several weeks get filed and, and work on those in the General Assembly. And we know that you guys are called part-time legislators, but that is definitely not the case because you're working on issues all the time. So what's been a big issue that you've dealt with over the past few weeks? I know that you've been in contact with Comcast. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So I chair the House Telecommunications and Technology Committee, and as part of that, um, role I've been working with uh, with constituents and other residents of Delaware on uh, deep concerns that they've had with what was a plan by Comcast to cap data usage uh, at, you know cap the amount of data that a consumer can use at 1.2 terabytes and then be able to charge consumers an additional fee should they go over that well as you know this is just really not the time for to really assess any additional fees. You know, we're in a, in a pandemic and it's been difficult. Uh, families are seeing their data increase just by virtue of the pandemic. People, you know, folks are working from home, going to school from home, et cetera. So I was able to speak with Comcast and talk with those officials um, over the past several weeks. And I'm um, pleased to report that Comcast has agreed to delay implementation of this data cap at least until 2023. So 2022. So um, that's been one of the issues that I've been working on is a, is a consumer issue that I think really impacts families right in their wallets and at a really difficult time. So that has been a busy issue. And just looking at my calendar over the last week, we, we've had an, I've been working on a number of issues, you know, again, like what you said, like this, just when we're in session from January to July isn't the only time we're working. You know, we're working 12 months a year, pretty much seven days a week um, on different things. So I was out at a, looking at a road project that, uh, that happened in the district and trying to see what Delaware needs to do or what DelDOT needs to do on a, on a particular road issue. We have deer overpopulation up in this community. And so we had a meeting this morning on that. And I'm working on the details of legislation and also I mean, first and foremost, uh, the the issue that has we have been most uh, actively working on this past month is is really connecting individuals with how to get the vaccine for COVID nineteen, and there's been a lot of challenges and difficulty with that. Understandably, everyone has been frustrated with the you know ability or lack thereof to get appointments, and so trying to help our seniors, uh, mostly our seniors, navigate that process has been something that my aide, Mike, and I have been working on, and it's an honor to help uh, my constituents with that process to help them get the, to the vaccine to the extent that we've been able to. Yeah, definitely. It seems like a lot of our representatives kind of have to be the jack of all trades. You have to be knowledgeable 
in a lot of fields and have a lot of contacts to get your constituents connected. How do you find out about these issues? Are these things that constituents are bringing to you or are these just things that you're kind of seeing out in your community? Oh, no, they're issues constituents bring to me, um, uh, mostly. You know, that's that's the, that's the greatest thing and that's how I feel that I'm doing a good job is when constituents are comfortable to call me or send me an email and ask for help and and to reach out and and for us to be responsive to those issues. So that's that's how we hear about them and then we go from there. We have you know drainage is an issue up here. We had some drainage problems and you know again and I've been working with a lot of leaders in different areas to roll out some legislation that I'm excited about doing in the in the next couple of weeks. So there's been a lot of fine tuning those bills um, so that we could get them drafted and submitted uh, to be considered by my colleagues in the House and hopefully the Senate. Seems like a lot of these issues that your constituents bring to you, they're not always solved with legislation. Sometimes you're just placing a call to an agency or coordinating with other nonprofit groups to connect your constituents. I know that you used to do a lot of constituent coffees and you used to participate in a lot of town halls in the before COVID era. So have you noticed that constituents are reaching out in different ways? You know, I've seen an uptick, I think, in the number of um, constituents who are calling and reaching out personally to me, uh, I think because these issues are so complex with the vaccine and other uh, other things happening. So I always find it rewarding when I when I get a call or an email um, that, you know, if I had helped someone before, they're calling back to ask for another, you know, if I could help them on something else or t- talking to their neighbor and um, calling us. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a lot of that. But, you know, fortunately in our community, we've had a lot of communities like switch to online meetings. So some civic associations are doing Zoom annual meetings or monthly meetings. So it's been great to continue to connect with them. So we have switched it up. The more of those um, more online meetings, more Zoom meetings um, or, or teleconferences versus the in-person, especially with the tricky weather that we've had. Um, it's nice in the spring and summer when you can socially distance and meet with constituents. We were able to do that. But with the winter, it's been it's been more challenging. And I know that recently we saw our statistics were released from our committees in January, and we saw a record number of people participating in these committees. There were a lot of people tuning in from their houses because we had it all in a virtual format. So have you also noticed that during your, your virtual town halls or virtual meetings, there's more people attending or more people participating? I do. I do notice more people participating. I will say, though, that in person. So that's a good thing, you know, and, and I think going forward, you know, as as we move into a less uh, virtual space and more in person, I'm hoping that we can kind of do some combination of virtual and in person because it's really hard to keep, you know, to keep up and be in a community when you're all virtual, you know, and, and there's distractions that happen in the house. Like if you, you can attend a Zoom meeting, uh, you know, in the evening, but not being physically present to kind of just be focused on, on the group that you're with can be challenging. I think not just for a legislator, but also for the community, you know, that the time to see their neighbors at those meetings is really their, their time to share and be with one another versus when you're on in the virtual fashion, you can physically show up and be there, but you may be distracted by other things going on. So I think it's great that access has um, has grown, you know, that there's new access to government um, that there hasn't been before. And I hope that we can 
retain that in some fashion. But I also, um, I really, we can't lose sight of the value uh, that there is in being together and being in person. Right. And you were talking about this kind of sense of community. I know recently you have made your way back out into the, the real life space because you went to a vaccination clinic recently for educators. Have there been any other events that you've been able to go to in person? And what is the energy like there? You know, the, the vaccination event that I went to this weekend was very well organized. It was run by the Department of Education. And it was nice to be able to say hi and thank the teachers, the educators in the public school, private school, and early childhood centers to really see faces um, was, gave me great energy so, so that I could see people and see them coming in to get help from the state uh, with the vaccine um, and also thank them for, for really being at the front line and taking care of our kids. I, I'm a mom of, a, of an almost 13-year-old and a six-year-old and whose teachers have just gone above and beyond for those boys and, um, I, I, and, and for all of our children. So it was a really great opportunity to be able to thank them. Um, some of the other things that I've been doing in the in the community have been more quiet, I guess. You know, we see big events, no big um, gatherings uh, to celebrate. So that's been a bit sad, but we still continue to be able to do it. I have a, I had a really wonderful constituent who had a significant birthday this year. He turned 95 and his grandson um, very kindly and sweetly wanted to honor him. He was a World War II veteran. Uh, he used to farm land in Hokessen that is now part of Auburn Valley State Park. And so his grandson approached me and asked me actually what we could do, you know, to honor his grandfather. And I was able to work with the park superintendent to have a bit a bench installed for him. And so um, we were able after his birthday, just a little bit after his birthday, to have his family gather. And I and they invited me, which I was so touched and honored by, to show to say a few words. So it was quiet, you know, in, in years past, we might've had a, a bigger celebration, but, you know, given um, COVID-19 and not really wanting, you know, obviously not to risk infection, anybody who had a very quiet and small, but, um, you know, a really nice tribute to, to him and uh, in honor of his birthday. And so we do continue on and we do continue to meet in person, but it's just in a different fashion. You know, I can't, for instance, if someone's having a drainage problem and a group of neighbors want me to come out and look at it, you really can't do that on Zoom. You know, you can't see how rainwater is, you know, someone is going in a certain direction or how it's impacting a property. I mean, you really need to get out there and see it firsthand. So right. I will do that. We just do it in a different way. We're just, you know, we walk, we, we, we stay further apart. We wear masks. Um, but uh, again, I can't, you can't underestimate the importance of, of being together and seeing things firsthand. So where we don't need to be in person, we can do things by calls. Uh, we do that, but uh, we also know that if, if it has, you know, if something has to be seen, we'll, we'll get out and see it. Absolutely. And coming up on a year of this, I know that we're all kind of chomping at the bit to get back out there and, and visit with our friends and family again. You know, I was talking to some of the freshman legislators earlier and I was asking them what they were excited to do when they got back to legislative hall. And they said they were excited about passing their first legislation, you know, getting their first legislation out on the floor for a vote. Is there something that you're looking forward to when we do go back to session? I am really looking forward to cheering and clapping on Delawareans and cheering for them. The, the really special thing about Legislative Hall that we do is we celebrate the good things that our neighbors and friends are doing. When an athletic team is first in the state in whatever sport it is. They come to Legislative Hall, 
They come before us. They introduce themselves and we cheer, we cheer for them. When, for instance, the Down Syndrome Association of Delaware is celebrating World Down Syndrome Day on March 21st, individuals with Down Syndrome come to Legislative Hall and we all wear fun, crazy socks mm -hmm. and clap for everybody and celebrate individuals. So I'm really, I miss that. I miss those opportunities where we really celebrate each other and um, the good work that our organizations and communities are doing and the good things that are happening. Delaware State University, they have a, a, a beautiful choir and they come and, and perform every year. And, and we, we haven't heard that. And, and, and that's sad. The, um, again, the sports teams, the, the groups that come before us to recognize important things that are happening in their lives is, is a really big part of what we do in Legislative Hall because it, it shows us who, who we are and, and what we do. And, and, and so I, I miss having that one-on-one -on -one connection with those organizations that come down uh, to Legislative Hall. I miss people seeing people in the hallway and um, catching up. Again, you know, we can, we can meet on Zoom and, and it does fill that void. It does make sure that we are connected, phone calls and video conferences, et cetera. But you can't replace that one-on-one -on -one contact that is really important to, to good legislation and good, uh, good work as a representative of, of a district. Right. I remember when the press release first came out that announced that Legislative Hall was closing for COVID, it mentioned that over a thousand people could be in Legislative Hall in a single day. And that's just our, our small little state, over a thousand people. So it, it really makes you think about how connected people are to our political life in Delaware and to their legislators here. I think that's a good place to end the conversation, but is there anything else that you wanted to say? I really appreciate my constituents and that they've adapted and, and continue to reach out and know that, um, and I just want them to know that I'm here for them and um, that we'll get back to normal soon and um, still here, still able to get the job done and um, we'll continue to do that. Whipcount is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. You can find us on Facebook at DE House Dems, on Instagram, DE House Dems, and on Twitter, also DE House Dems. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode of our podcast and can keep up to date with the latest happenings at Legislative Hall.